Hello, my name is Janine Pettit, and I'm a girl camper. I go places and I do things in my little 1966 Go Tag Along vintage travel trailer. Along the way, I meet many interesting people traveling the back roads, and I want to share their stories with you. We will talk about the qualities of what makes a girl camper and how you can become a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party, and you're invited. Stay tuned while I share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. Welcome. I'm Janine Pettit, Girl Camping Ambassador, Blogger, Adventurist, and Podcaster. And this is episode number 23 of Girl Camper, the podcast. Well, today we're going to be dishing on the topic of buying a trailer. I am fresh off the Philadelphia RV show and my mind was spinning with all the girl camper options. I get lots of mail asking me what kind of trailer girl campers should buy. So today I want to try to just break down some of the things that will help you narrow down your choice. It all depends on a few things and those are the things we're going to talk about. How many people are going to be using it? Is your trailer going to do double duty as a girl camper and a family camper? Where are you going to park it? Because that depends on what kind of purchase you're going to make. What is your camping style? Did you know that there are different girl campers camping styles? How often are you going to use it? Are you leaning toward new or used? There's a lot to consider when making a purchase of your first trailer. And we're going to break down those things today so you can zone in on what your heart really desires. And hopefully you can make a purchase that you're happy with for years and years to come. But before we get to that topic, we've got Girl Camper news to report. So I'm going to get right to the news because there is a lot of news to round up. This past week, I published a blog as a guest blogger for the Sisters on the Fly. On the Sister on the Fly website, they have a column called On Age and Attitude, and they invite anyone who's a Sister on the Fly to write what her thoughts are on age and attitude. And you know, we always hear that being said, that age is a number and your attitude is so important. So when they initially asked me to do it, I thought, oh gosh, I have so many writing commitments, I don't know if I can do it. But then I really started thinking about the topic. And something came to my head about aging gracefully. So I wrote a column for um, Go RVing on my thoughts on aging gracefully. And I don't want to give it away because I really want you to go and read it. It's kind of short. But if you remember that term, which used to be bantered a lot when I was younger, before I aged gracefully, (laughs) aging gracefully sort of was this idea that women know their place. And, you know, they dress appropriately and behave appropriately. And when their children are raised, they become community servants. So 
I started thinking about that and decided I had to redefine what it means to age gracefully. And there is a link in girlcamper.com over to the Sisters on the Fly, or you could go directly to the Sisters on the Fly page and look up their blog. So anyway, that's my thought on aging gracefully. Maybe it's time for us to redefine what that means. So that that's out there. It's out there. The other thing I want to tell you about is this past weekend, I went to the Philadelphia RV show with my friend Sandy. Sandy was a guest on the show. She shared all about her journey to becoming a girl camper. She's doing that thing that so many girl campers do. She bought a vintage trailer. And now she's looking for a new trailer. <laughs> she's leaning toward a tab, but she's she's out there scouting. So she was more than happy to come with me. And we had a great time. And I want to give a shout out right now to two of the most fun women I met when I was there. Desiree from Timothy Lakes, which is a Thousand Trails Resort in East Stroudsburg, PA. And Lisa from Spring Gulch, which is an Encore re, uh, Resort in New Holland, PA. I had so much fun with these two fun ladies. They really love what they do. And you know when you meet someone and you know that they really, really love their job. The Encore people and Thousand Trails people should be so happy to have these two women representing their company because they just Build. And then I told them that I had a thousand trails pass and that I, I have a podcast and, and they were not um, trying to win me over. They, they didn't even know that when they were spilling about their company. And I just want to give them a shout out because I can't wait to get to both of these resorts now. They invited us to come and host a Girl Camper little seminar there. So that's going to be in the making. We're going to do one at each. We're going to do one up in East Strasburg, and we're going to do one at the Spring Gulch in New Holland. And I've been trying to coordinate with them for dates, but I thought it would be fun if all the women who have joined the meetup, and there were so many new meetup members coming on this week who are in this Northeast area. They're, They're from all over the country, but in the Northeast area, and I thought, wouldn't it be fun on a Saturday afternoon to take a little two-hour drive and just go up and view that beautiful resort? And they're going to put on a little spread for us. And we're going to do a slideshow. And we're going to talk about how much fun it is to be a girl camper. So I'm working on that with Desiree and Lisa. And I had so much fun meeting you ladies. And I killed an hour at your booth. And it was so much fun. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I also want to thank all of our new podcast listeners. I got a lot of mail this week saying I I stumbled onto your podcast. Someone um, told me about your podcast, but I got one letter in particular that I want to share with you. (laughs) It's a fan letter. I'm going to warn you ahead of time. (laughs) It's a fan letter. Now, I read this at the dinner table and There were no like overt eye rolls, but I think I detected a few sideways glances from my children like, what are we going to do about her? (laughs) So I want to read because Carrie from Colorado, you are my fourth fan because I have Mr. and Mrs. Wellman Roby from West Virginia. They are fans. And I have another fan who wrote me a letter from Arizona. So you are my fourth fan. (laughs) My kids think I'm so obnoxious, but I want to read this because it touched my heart. And thank you for sending it, Carrie. 
Dear Janine, I found your podcast about a month ago and have loved every episode. I am now trying to ration the episodes I haven't listened to yet and today heard the episode about wanderlust. I had to write to you. I grew up in Arizona but loved our family vacations to the Midwest. As a girl, I could not wait to get out of the brown dirt of Arizona to the green of the Midwest. After getting married, my husband and I moved to Portland, Oregon, where there was a lot of green. We enjoyed the rain, but a poor economy forced us to move to Colorado, where we have been for 14 years. We have three boys, aged 7, 9, and 12, who all love Colorado. We do live in a beautiful setting, but I yearn to travel more. I was afraid I was just a discontent person who just couldn't be happy where I was, but now I know that I have wanderlust. (laughs) When I was 17, my aunt and mom were planning a road trip to Washington, D.C. and up to Maine. My cousin and I are huge Anne of Green Gables fans, and we convinced our mothers to take us all the way to P.E.I., We took a three-week trip from Kansas City to Prince Edward Island and back, seeing the Bay of Fundy, Niagara Falls, and many other places along the way. All in a minivan with lots of camping along the way to save on hotel expenses. It was so fun to hear you talk about such a similar trip. My boys all love camping, but my husband is not fond of the preparation and work before and after. He does like the idea of a small travel trailer, though. He is finishing a master's program, and we are hoping to get a trailer next year. In the meantime, we will meet my best friend and her family of boys and Bryce this summer and go tent camping. I have high hopes of she and I joining a girl camping event in the future. Thank you for your wonderful, heartfelt, and inspiring podcast. I had no idea girl camping groups existed, and it has given me so much entertainment and hope for fun travels to come. God bless, Carrie. Oh, I heart Carrie. Thank you, Carrie, and God bless you right back. You are giving your boys a gift that is going to pay in dividends for their whole lives. Look at the memories you have and that I have from 30 years ago on that trip to Prince Edward Island. I I, I think of it as my favorite ever family vacation. But then I think of the next family vacation we went on, and I think that one was pretty good too. It's a wonderful, wonderful set of memories and a gift you're giving your kids. But be forewarned because you're putting... Your instilling wanderlust in them too (laughs) and they may take off and leave you (laughs) but you know roots and wings that's what raising kids is all about so I want to tell you something about what your husband he has that thing and camping is work it's we joke with the girlfriends and the sisters on the fly having all this much fun is a lot of work (laughs) so owning a travel trailer reduces the amount of stress involved in going camping significantly. Once you purchase that travel trailer and you have it packed and you can just throw your boys, you know, duffel bag with clean t-shirt, socks and underwear in there and take off. And you know, you've got dedicated food uh, preparation things in there and you've got extra blankets and you just throw the sleeping bags. Maybe you'll buy a bunkhouse if you have three boys. A bunkhouse is a great floor model in a travel trailer. But once you get that travel trailer all packed and you start to get a system going... 
you know, the ideal is you get to a point where you just hitch that thing on the back of a car on a Friday afternoon and you take off. And hey, if you forgot something, you didn't need it anyway. So tell your husband there's hope. I want you to celebrate that wanderlust because it's a gift. And I thank you so much, Carrie, for writing in. And (laughs) now it's your turn to laugh at me. I put your letter on my refrigerator like a kid who brought home a paper with an A plus on it. So I don't know how long it'll be there before one of my kids says, this is enough, take this down. (laughs) But thank you. And I want to thank everyone who left me an iTunes review. There were some new iTunes reviews this week and they really do help me with the show, helps you to come up in the, when someone types in girl or camping. If you frequently have new reviews, it makes you come to the top of the search engines. That's how I heard it works. So thank you so much. Next week, I'm going to be podcasting from the road because I'm heading out to West Virginia on Tuesday morning. So on the day this podcast comes out, say a prayer for my safe travels because I'm on my way to Davis, West Virginia, Tucker County, to check out Blackwater Falls. And from there, I'm heading over to Asheville, North Carolina, to go to the Outdoor Gear Fest on the river in Asheville on Saturday, March 19th. If you can make it, come down and join me. Ask somebody where Girl Camper is and they'll find you. I just got a new pink coat from REI, so I should be easy to spot. (laughs) So we'll be back in a minute with our campfire chat. Thank you, Carrie. Since all of our chat this week has to do with trailers, I thought I would share this. I had a brainstorm. (laughs) I know, you thought you smelled smoke. Well, I've been toying with this idea for a long time, and I'm just going to make myself get it off the ground. So I thought it would be great if we could do, by we I mean me, but you guys need to help me, a a weekly photo shoot, photo story of girl campers. And when I say girl campers, I don't mean the women themselves. I mean, they're trailers, girl camper trailers. So I had this idea that everyone who would like to show off their little beauty could send me the pictures. And once a week, I will post on girlcamper.com a trailer story. So I want to back this up for a minute and talk about when I first joined Sisters on the Fly. There was an article in Country Living Magazine, April 2002, I still have the issue, on the Sisters on the Fly, and it showed the pictures of their trailers. And there were one or two interior shots of those trailers that they literally made me swoon. They were so beautiful. And I immediately went online. And you have to know that Google Images did not exist then. This is pre-Pinterest. I searched that internet. I could find like five pictures of interior trailers. Now you can go on and have that eye candy all the time. But at that time, you there was nothing to be seen. And I was dying over it because I saw these little beautiful canned hams. But I wanted to know what was inside of them. And so a lot of times when I post pictures on Instagram, people will write to me and say, can I please see the inside? Do you have any pictures of the inside? And sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. 
So I thought it would be fun if once a week I could get to a place where I could publish on girlcamper.com a girl's trailer story. So if you have a trailer that you love so much and you're very proud of, whether you're a girl camper or you're a tin can tourist, because I don't want to leave our tin can tourist friends out of this, they have the most beautiful trailers in the world. It doesn't matter if you submit a trailer that's old or new, but I would never want the tin can tourist people to be left out of this. It doesn't have to be a girl camper trailer, just a trailer that you love and that you've poured your heart and soul in because everybody wants to share that. So if you have a trailer that you want to submit, you can go to girlcamper.com and you could do the submission one of two ways. I'm going to put on girlcamper.com a list of questions that inquiring minds are going to want to know. Where did you buy it? How much did you pay for it? You don't have to share that if you don't want to because some people paid way more than they should have for a vintage trailer and some people got theirs out of a field and the person paid them to take it away. That's not necessary information, but it does help people gauge what the going rate is for a used trailer. Maybe your trailer's new though, so maybe you want to share that too. I bought new. Where did you buy it? How much work did you have to put in it? What did you name your trailer and why? A lot of people give their trailers a name, and I think it's so connected an emotional level to them for some reason. There's there's something there that made them choose that name. So many of the sisters on the fly have trailers that they named after their grandmothers or mothers and I think that is just so sweet. So tell us what the name of your trailer is and why you chose that name. Tell us if you had to do a lot of work on it and share those pictures with us and it would be great if you could send in before and after pictures because a lot of times people bring home something that's really a bomb and you think it has no hope. But, you know, with TLC and a lot of hard work, you can bring that trailer back to life. Or if you bought something new, how did you, uh, what would be a nice way to put this, uh, demanufacture it? Because all those new trailers, they just look the same. I just came from that RV show and it was a world of brown except for the Mini by Winnebago, which I'll talk about it another day. I fell in love with that trailer. But tell us what you did if you got a brand new one and you demanufacturized it. You know, it came with all that stuff. Did you change the curtains? I've seen some beautiful things. And I hope Deborah from Arkansas will share what she did with us for her Riverside Retro because I posted a few pictures of hers. She just took that thing apart and redesigned it, and it's beautiful. So maybe Deborah will send in more pictures, and we'll get that up on the web. So tell your trailer story. Send them in to girlcamper.com, or you can send them to me via Facebook on the Camp Like a Girl Facebook page. Message me there, and I will give you my email address, and you can send them to me. So I think that's going to be fun, and I look forward to seeing everybody's trailer. And the thing that I think is going to be fun about it is when you are in that stage of waiting to buy, or maybe you bought one and it's out in your driveway and you just can't get the juice to do it because you maybe bit off more than you could chew, having that inspiration. And feel free to share with us the process too. I mean, some people have had a lot of work to do with theirs. So I think it's inspiration for those who are you know, trying to get to that place of that finished product. If you're in the process somewhere, it can get demoralizing. <laughs> Believe me, I know. I've, I've had a trailer sit in my driveway for a year once. I didn't get to it before, finish it before the weather turned. And then it sat there 
all winter long under snow and ice. And when the spring came, I was super busy and I, I didn't get to work on it till August of the next year. So it was sitting there almost a whole year in that half finished state, which is why my neighbors love me. But anyway, so also if you go on girlcamper.com, then you can sign up for blog alerts. And every time somebody posts a new camper, you'll get it right to your inbox that day. So we're going to be back in a minute and we're going to be talking about buying a trailer, new or old. What are some of the things you need to consider when you're going to make a purchase? We're going to talk about those things because hopefully I can help you avoid some of the mistakes I made and other people made. So we'll be back in a minute and we're going to talk about buying a trailer. Well, being at the RV show this week made me think about something that has just been on my mind over and over, really because of the mail I got. I got a long letter, which I can't read, it's too long, but it came from a lady named Carol in Florida, and Carol wanted me to tell her what kind of trailer to buy. She just wanted someone to say, go with this trailer. And I can't do that, Carol, because that's like an arranged marriage. (laughs) I don't want responsibility for you picking the wrong trailer and getting it and not being happy with it. So I was thinking about your letter, Carol, and I thought to myself, I couldn't really make a recommendation to you without first understanding what kind of camper you are, what kind of girl camper you are. There's so many considerations to keep in mind when you're purchasing a trailer that I thought it would be a good idea at this point to have a conversation about the things that we should think about when buying a new trailer. So that being said, let's begin. Number one, size and weight. This is the proverbial chicken or the egg conversation again. So which came first? It breaks down this way. If you have a car that you absolutely love, you always buy a Volvo. Our friend Barbara from Pennsylvania has been driving Volvos for 30 years. When she got into the girl camping movement, she was not going to change her car. And Barbara ended up buying a tab trailer that matches her Volvo. They're both red and she's perfectly happy with it. But she chose that trailer not just for its great design, but because it could be towed by the existing car that she really loves. The reality here is that we drive our cars way more than we use them when we're towing. So if you're buying a car strictly for its towing capacity, you have to keep in mind, you're going to be driving that around town and to the grocery store and all of those things. So if you really love the car that you have, then you're going to want to buy a a trailer that is sufficient to be towed by the truck you have, an existing tow vehicle. Now, if it's the opposite, if you have in your mind some trailer, like you've been out there and you've been at the RV shows and you're looking and you've seen your dream trailer, you got struck by Cupid's arrow and there's no going back. If the tow vehicle you already have does not 
have enough torque to pull that thing, you're going to have to change your tow vehicle. So it's just a question of deciding what is more important to you. If you have your heart set on that trailer, then you might have to change your tow vehicle. Every once in a blue moon, the uh, planets all line up and you find a trailer that you love and it turns out your tow vehicle can tow it. So good for you. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Whatever it is that you end up doing, just make sure that you have enough tow capacity for the trailer that you end up choosing. Never, never, never under tow a, vehicle, uh, a trailer. I want to point everybody who might not have uh, heard this if you're a new listener, go back to episode 13 with Walter Cannon where he really talks about the importance in the safety of towing according to all the guidelines. So there's, there's standards for that and you should know them and you need to be safe on the road. Okay. Next in the size and weight category, I want to talk about size for a minute. So when you're choosing a trailer, here are some things I want you to think about, and that is where you're going to park it. A lot of people buy a trailer and they bring it home, and then next thing you know, the police are ringing their doorbell, giving them a warning, you have three days to get this thing out of your driveway because the township does not allow these to be parked here. So the rules in my township, which I never gave any thought to whatsoever until I already had the trailer, are that you can have a trailer in your driveway if it is registered and if it is in season. So you can even have it on the street in front of my house if it's in season. It has to be licensed, registered, everything has to be uh, square with motor vehicles, and then you can park it during the season. So I can basically park mine from like March till November on the street, and the rest of the year I can keep it in my driveway, which I do. Some townships are not like that. You cannot have one at all. My township allows that, but they do not allow you to put it in your backyard. So a friend of mine had her husband open up the gates to their backyard, and she thought she would just store it back there. And sure enough, a neighbor called the police. They don't want you to have them in the backyard because they think you're using it as a second home or renting it out, whatever. So you've got to find out what the rules are in your township. If you belong to a retirement neighborhood or you live in a gated community, there might be HOA rules, homeowner association rules that uh, prevent you from keeping it. One of our sisters on the fly here who just bought a little tag trailer, um, she bought one that actually goes in her garage and she chose that one for that reason. She knew she could not keep it in her driveway or parked out in front of her house, but she chose one that goes in her garage so nobody is upset by it and she's not breaking any rules. The other thing you have to think about is the length of the trailer compared to the length of your driveway. So Stephanie and Jeremy from RV Family Travel Atlas podcast have like a 33-foot trailer with a 33-and-a-half-foot driveway. (laughs) There is barely is not a foot left over. They couldn't go any bigger if they wanted to. So that's something to keep in mind too. I have a short driveway and mine fits, but I don't have a lot of room to spare either. If I, if I were hanging out over the sidewalk, somebody would call the police on me. If none of these storage solutions work for you, you can't keep it in your driveway, your township or the HOA won't allow it, then you're going to have to see what you could do about storing it. 
One of the ways you can store a trailer is to go to your local RV dealership. Many RV dealerships will store a trailer for you. The other place to go is, you know, just your basic storage units, the, all the ones you see along the roads now where we Americans store all that stuff that we need or don't need. All of those units there, they usually have camper storage. There's one by us that I drive by all the time, and it is just lined up with people's trailers. So I called a couple places, and the average cost around me in the Northeast here is $50 a month. My friend Mary pays $500 a month for the RV dealership. She bought her trailer, uh, $500 for the year. She pays to the RV dealership she purchased her trailer from. So it's a little bit of a savings if you go that way. So think about where you're going to park it and know that ahead of time before you go shopping. The third element of the size and weight category I want to talk about is what your comfort level is. So you could have something that is just uh, ticks off everything on your checklist for the interior. Like I just fell in love over the weekend with the mini trailer from Winnebago. It's 22 feet long, which is just you know, maybe like two, four feet longer than I'm used to. Our family trailer is 18, so it's four more feet. But what they did with that four extra feet. It had me spinning there thinking, I could do 22 feet. Yes, I could. But it was one of those things where I had to go home and get a reality check. Am I really comfortable towing a 22-foot trailer? I probably could get comfortable. I have a lot of towing experience. But I want you to think about whether or not that is worth it to you. So if you buy something that's too big and every trip you go on is a white knuckle event because you think it's swaying, you think it's towing, it's that much more work to you and you're anxious about it, then you bought something too big. Maybe you could move up to that later, but I would suggest that you start small. There is this little sweet spot that you have to find between the kind of space you need and what your towing comfort level is. So towing comfort level is a big thing. If you get something too big and you're anxious, it's not going to be fun. Okay, so that's size and weight. The next thing I want to talk about is how many people will be using it. So is your trailer going to do double duty uh, as a couple camper or a family camper? A lot of people buy a trailer and they use it. They want to find that like spot in between. Uh, and I know, I know a lot of women who do this. They got a trailer and they're going to couple camp. So there's a little more things you have to think about. One of the girls here fell in love with this vintage camper. She asked me if I would come and look at it with her. And we went out. She had already looked at it. She put a deposit down. Absolutely loved it. It was beautifully restored. It was so pretty. And her husband came with us, and she wanted me to go, too, so I could point out all the things to her husband. And guess what? Oh, we got there. The interior of vintage trailers are often not as high as the trailers they make today her husband could not stand up in the trailer. He would have been squatting the whole time. She was absolutely crestfallen. She could not get the camper. She got her deposit back on it. But, I mean, if you're going to use it for your family as well, you've got to make sure that it's going to fit your family, that you have storage. Maybe you're going to take your grandchildren with you. And maybe then you want something that has a little bunkhouse or a, the table that folds down so the grandkids could sleep in it. Then you're going to want more storage. 
storage. So think about the number of people who are going to use it. Now, if it's going to be a girl camper only, you're just buying it for you, your hubby's fishing or golfing, he's doing his own thing, then you want to think about this. Am I going to always use this by myself? Or am I going to do what we all do? Hey, girlfriend, have I got a club for you? Come camping with us. You're going to love these crazy fun women. It's so much fun. Now you get your girlfriend to come with you and where is she going to sleep? So a lot of the single trailers like the tabs or the older vintage ones like the Shasta Compact, they have a kitchen up front and then the back all folds down into a bed, but it's only one bed. Now I grew up with five sisters, so sleeping in a double bed with girls has always been a part of my life and my girlfriend Carol who camps with me all the time grew up in a big family. That's not weird to me, but it is weird to other people. So that might be out of your comfort zone and you might want two actually dedicated beds. I would sleep with my sister or my mother or my daughter, but I don't want to. I just want my space. And my daughter sleeps with her dog, and I don't want the dog in my face all night. So I like my own dedicated space. And when I'm on my search, like I am now, for a new girl camper, I am looking for something that is going to have the option of a second bed. I don't know that I'd want to use it all the time, but I want to have that option. So if that is the thing for you, then you might want to think about buying a newer trailer with the bunkhouse option. That mini from Winnebago I just told you about has a great bunkhouse model, but it's a little too long for me. Now, there are other trailers that carry a bunkhouse. Riverside Retro makes a shorter one with a bunkhouse, but when you get that bunkhouse in the Riverside Retro, you end up having a table that turns into the bed. So you give up a dedicated bed for the primary user in order to have that bunkhouse. I don't like the models in which the bed is also the kitchen table. I want a dedicated bed and table. So those are things that you want to think about. So if you're going to have multiple users in your trailer, I also want to caution you to not go too small. So sometimes in this effort to just be fuel efficient and to not create towing anxiety for you, you might purchase something that's too small. And camping is a crapshoot with the weather. You could get out there and you could be there four days of bad weather and everybody just wants to get inside with a cup of tea and a book and there's no place to go. So think about what it is that you want to use in your floor plan. How many people are going to be using it and what kind of floor plan works for you? If you choose a floor plan in which the bed is also the table, I want you to think about some scenarios in which that might not work well. If you're camping with someone else and someone gets up and you're still in the bed, where, do the, where does that person go? You can go outside if the weather was nice and it's, you know, sometimes it's chilly and dewy in the morning and you don't want to sit outside. If you then fold up all the pillows and blankets and put the table up for daytime use, where are you putting all those pillows and blankets and all that sleeping gear? So those are some things to consider when you're talking about um, how many people will be using the trailer. Okay, number three, what is your camping style? So in the girl camping world, I witnessed this broken into two groups of people. <laughs> I'm totally generalizing here. It's the glampers 
and the non-glampers, the girl campers who are putting on the Ritz and the outdoorsy sisters who are just there to hike and kayak and all of those things. So I want to talk for a minute about some of the characteristics of a glamper, (laughs) my favorite people. So I have noticed that many of the campers, the girl campers who are glampers, you know, that's a word, we use it, they just really love beauty. And the thing about camping for them is to have all of those comforts of home while they're camping. They treat that trailer like a mini tiny home. So within that trailer, they're going to have all the comforts of home. They have beautiful sheets and pillows and blankets, and it's it's decorated with table runners, and the countertops are full of beautiful vintage finds that they got on trips, and vintage um, silverware and melamine and, and canisters that are contain- holding all of the things they need for camping. There is so much beauty in these campers. And, and, you know, I post it on my Instagram account all the time. And I just love looking at them. But they are not camping in the same way as an outdoor girl camper would be. So these glampers, sometimes a glamper is is a sister, a girlfriend. They never leave the campground. The whole thing is about being at the campground. It's about girlfriends. It's about food. It's about friendship. It's about meeting new people. It's about visiting old friends. The whole thing is just a weekend designed to shake off stress. Maybe they're never going to leave the campground. Maybe they're going to be in the pavilion and someone's teaching them how to knit or they're decoupaging pumpkins or they're planning a fundraiser because so many of these glampers use their time and their talents to raise money for important things. So these are women that entertain while they camp. It's about gathering. It's about friends. So these people have got to really be careful Because the trailers that the manufacturers are producing today, they're not really girl camper friendly if you're a glamper. Okay, so I noticed at the RV show last week, there's a lot of new trailers that are sized for girl campers or for solo travelers or for the single millennial. They're they're a nice small size, but they're not styled or they're not functional for girl campers. I was in so many last week and they're all brown and they lack storage. There's no storage in these trailers. I stand there and I think to myself, where are the people putting their sweaters? I don't see space for any of these things here. So if you are a glamper and these are things that you would be doing on a camp out, I want you to consider these things when buying trailer or looking around. So storage. Vintage trailers tend to have way more storage than the new models. Every time I'm in someone's vintage trailer, I am really struck by the amount of cabinets that are in it. And I just don't understand for the life of me why they can't still do that. I don't know why they can't build a trailer with that shape that everybody loves with all those cabinets. I I don't understand what the problem is. So 
vintage trailers tend to have way more storage, but then, you know, you've got a whole other set of problems. And so unless you're buying it from someone in Tin Can Taurus who has completely restored it, you know, you're just trading one thing for another. So it would be great if the RV industry actually built one of those. But I have seen so many times people purchase a brand new trailer and then get home and start retrofitting it. They've got to add storage to a trailer that they just bought brand new and paid full price for. So when you're thinking about this, I want you to stand inside a trailer and ask yourself this question. If you're a glamper, ask yourself these questions. Where am I going to keep my serving platters? Where is all my tchotchkes and silverware going to go? Where am I going to keep all of my vintage collectibles that hold my extension cords and flashlights and batteries and all the things that we have? They have to go someplace. Where am I putting all the craft supplies of stuff I'm going to use when I get on my camp out with all my girlfriends? Where are my Dutch ovens going to go and all the accessories that go with them? What about all my vintage tablecloths and lawn chairs and umbrellas and all my collectibles? You really need to stand in the trailer. I'm just thinking there about all the extras that we bring as girl campers. These are not even things that are necessities on a camping trip. They're just things glampers bring. So think about all the things you need to store in addition to that that are necessary to camping. The second thing, pay particular attention to the weight capacity of a trailer if you are a glamper. All of these things really add up, and it's very important that you get your trailer weighed when it is fully loaded and make sure you are not exceeding the tow capacity of your trailer. The other thing to think about, too, is the weight distribution. If you are taking all these things with you on a camping trip and you've got vintage suitcases loaded with all kinds of stuff in it that girl campers bring, you have to evenly distribute that weight around your camper. Go back to episode 13 with Walter Cannon and listen to it. But Walter told me something that I never thought about, and that is, A lot of people tend to use the back bed in a camper to throw all their stuff on. I did that so many times I can't even tell you. That's the big open space. I loaded that back bed in my camper and that puts all the weight on your tires. Well, if you don't have um, the right tires, if you don't have trailer tires, then they don't have the reinforced sidewalls and you're creating an extra burden on the tires as well. The last thing to think about when you're looking at a trailer, if you are a glamper, is the floor plan. So if you are a true glamper, the floor plan is going to be a much bigger deal to you than it is to the sort of outdoorsy kind of girl camper. A glamper usually is a person who is spending a lot of time in the camper compared to someone who is out there hiking, kayaking, doing their thing. So you're going to want a floor plan that gives you a lot of countertop space because you're going to want that space to display all your collectibles and to create that home away from home feel that so many girl campers want. But you're also going to need that space for cooking and prepping food. You know, you're going to have to have some place to chop all the ingredients for your chili for the Dutch oven cook-off, you know? So one of the things I know that a lot of girl campers do is they don't cook inside their campers. And so I've seen this over and over, and I think it's such a great idea. 
I took the stove out of mine completely because I knew I wasn't going to cook in it. And I have a microwave if I need hot water. And I have, a, I have a kettle that I can plug in for hot water. I also have a hot plate in case I wanted to cook a bowl of soup or something in there. I've never used it in the two years since I put it in there. But I have it in case I need it. It's 20 bucks at Walmart. One of the things I see women do all the time to solve their stove problem, if you don't want to take it out, is they have a big butcher block cutting board cut. And they put the little rubber feet on the bottom that raise it up over the stove. So then they can lay that right on top of the stove and they can chop and dice and display things on it. It gives them all that added counter space. So the other thing to think about is the floor plan. Whether or not you would want a floor plan that has a dedicated table. A lot of girl campers have vintage trailers in which the table folds down and becomes the bed in the back. And then up front across the front wall is a kitchen with very little counter space. So if you want to entertain or chop or cook, all that has to be done outside, which normally is fine, but there's always instances in which the weather isn't good. If you're a person who wants to display your camper and you want you don't want to take that bed up and down every day and think about where those linens are going, that's just something to consider. Maybe you want to look for a floor plan in which you have a dedicated bed and a dedicated table. I use my table all the time for chopping, cooking, my laptop. I sit there in the morning and work. So I would never like a floor plan in which there was not a separate bed and table. But that's something to think about too. The other thing is for glampers, you might want a larger refrigerator. If you can't find a model with a larger refrigerator, you want to make sure you have an outdoor plug so you can buy one of those cool coolers that are actually refrigerators. You know, you can plug them in and you don't have to beat ice in them all the time. So those are some things to consider for the glamping girl camper. Now, the other end of that spectrum, the outdoorsy girl camper. So here's here's what I've observed with our outdoorsy friend. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not one way or the other. I'm sort of in the middle of this group because I do like to entertain and I do have all kinds of stuff that most campers don't bring on a camping trip. But I also like to get there and go someplace. But the true diehard girl camper gets to the campground, brushes off the picnic table, puts a Coleman lantern in the center of it, Maybe, maybe she has a little tablecloth that she puts on it. She levels her trailer, gets out her hiking map, and in 15 minutes is gone. And she is off, she is hiking, she is doing whatever she came there to do. And on her way home, guess what? She's not worried about eating because she is looking for a local restaurant. And she's found some local restaurant with whoever she's hiking with. They go there, they eat, they come home with their leftovers because that's their breakfast the next morning. (laughs) And the next morning they get up, eat their leftover burger from last night, and they head out because they got their mountain bikes and they found some rail trail. And that's what their day is, you know, and they may be just eating lunch at a food truck along the way or at some stop at the end of their hike or their bike ride. And The whole thing about the camper for them, it's a place to sleep. Usually the food and that's just so secondary to them because the whole camper is simply a gateway 
to the outdoor activities they want to do. The whole campground thing, they don't care about the amenities in a campground. They don't care if it has a pool or mini golf or any of that thing. They just want a clean shower when they get back and they want to flop into a decent bed. So the outdoor girl camper, she usually comes back, gets a hot shower, builds herself a nice fire, sits around her friends during the day or in the evening talking about what they did, how the trail compared to other trails. And You know, my friend Jen is listening to me and she knows I'm talking about her. <laughs> Jen is our little sil- silver sister in New Jersey and she is just out and going and coming home with all these beautiful pictures. She recognizes all these birds. She takes great pictures. She kayaks. She does all these things and she comes home She doesn't care about any of that. She wants to flop in a comfortable bed, have a fire, sit around and have a cold drink with the girls and get caught up on the day. So if you are the outdoorsy girl camper, there's some things that you might want to think about when you're shopping for a camper. Here they are. One, you want to think about the kind of storage that you need because storage is an issue for you too, but it's a different kind of storage. It's really unlikely you're going to come home and put your soaking wet kayak vest in the cabinet over the kitchen sink. So you're going to want to look for a camper that has good outdoor storage. They got those panels on the side of the camper that allow you to store your gear underneath the bed. That's a good thing to think about. You you know, those are the kind of places you don't want to bring all that wet and dirty gear into your camper, your paddles, your hiking boots, your walking stick. You want to have a spot to store all that stuff where it's not going to be stolen or it's not going to be soaking wet if it begins raining that night and you don't want all that dirt in your trailer. So think about that for dirt management too. You want to get a good uh, doormat in front of you because your gear is probably dirtier than the rest of us. The other thing is when you're choosing a camper, you're probably fine with a dedicated bed that, or the bed that is the table it, that turns into a bed. That's a good option for you because you're usually not eating in. So think about those things. You want to have a place for to store your gear in all weather. A dedicated bed is probably just fine for you. The table that goes down and, and it's a bed all the time and you don't need the separate table. Think about dirt management, having a place to store all your wet and muddy stuff. So some things to think about when buying a trailer, how you're going to use the trailer, what kind of glamper are you? Camper. Are you a glamper or are you outdoorsy? What kind of storage do you need? And what kind of floor plan makes sense for you? Okay, we're going to come back in a minute and then we're going to talk about buying new versus buying used. And I'm not talking about buying vintage. We already had that conversation. I'm talking about, am I buying this brand new off the factory floor or am I buying this a couple years old? We're going to be back in a minute and talk about that aspect of it. There is one more thing I want to talk about when you're making the considerations about buying a trailer, and that is whether to buy new or used. Now, I'm not talking about vintage because we did that in a previous episode, but I'm talking about the pros and cons of choosing a trailer right off the factory lot 
or the dealership lot, or if you're going to buy a trailer from RV Trader or a used venue. So the first thing I want to do, though, is I want to give a little shout out to a girl camper who's new. She's a podcast listener. Her name is Anne from Maryland, and she is Sister on the Fly number 6794. Shout out, Anne. Anne heard about the girl campers. She began listening to the podcast and then she joined Sisters on the Fly, which I highly recommend if you are not a girl camper already. That's the group that's going to help you. And then Anne signed up for the meetup, Camp Like a Girl, and is going with us on our wild, wonderful, almost heaven, West by God, Virginia trip. And I can't wait to meet you, Anne, because I can tell already you have a girl camper spirit. So Anne just sent me a little note and I want to read it. And I think Anne got the big picture here when it comes to trailers. And she writes, I got a trailer. It's a 2014 Trillium 1500 molded fiberglass. Couldn't resist the price or features. It doesn't have a bath, but it has a stove potty. I can deal. As much as I love vintage, I had to be realistic that we don't have the time, space, or skills to renovate. I really considered a tab, but my husband is too tall to stand fully. This is one There is one that has been sitting on the Airstream dealer's lot for a while and got my attention. They made me a really sweet deal. I'm actually flying to Florida. So she lives in Maryland, but she bought it in Florida in two weeks to finalize the deal. Then my husband and I are driving back down in April to pick her up and visit our daughter in North Carolina on the way home. I can't wait to bring her home and start adding my own homey touches. (laughs) Okay, Anne, could you please picture that I am sending a little ticker tape parade over your head right now. Confetti and swirly things are falling all around you. (laughs) Because I want other women to understand you don't know what you're getting into when you're buying a vintage trailer. So unless you have a big garage and a place to work on them and you're very handy, leave that over to the experts at Tin Can Tourist or buy one from the Tin Can Tourist crowd that's already been done for you if you're really your heart is set on this. But Anne, you did that thing I always encourage women to do, and that is know what your limits are. And I tell this to people all the time at the Country Living Fair when we're displaying some of the newer trailers that have been all glamped up and designed and made to feel like home. If you could just skip all of that renovation part and get right to the fun, you could be camping this summer instead of spending your summer online looking for a vintage camper that's not too torn down and then spend next summer fixing it all up. You could just buy one and camp right now. And guess what? If you bought a new one, you could still keep looking for a vintage one if that's your real heart desire. So I want to talk about the new and the used. And I applaud you, Anne. You got a great deal, it sounds like. You bought like a year-end model. You got a great deal on it. I'm happy for you because now you can just be with us. And I can't wait to see your Trillium at the camp out. So some of the pros of buying a new camper. Let's go over a couple of the things because I just came back from the RV show in Pennsylvania. And, you know, you just fall in love with all the options, you know, and you, you can't help it. They just get better every year, although they're all still brown. Very few of them weren't. That little mini from Winnebago was beautiful, all white, but the rest of them are brown, brown, and brown. Brown, tan, and dark brown. So 
that part hasn't changed, but there's all kinds of beautiful little things they're doing in them now. So when you buy new, you just get all the latest upgrades. You get, you know, they're wired for Wi-Fi. You can plug your um, your phone right into the wall, uh, the port, and you can charge it there, and you can listen to surround sound music off your playlist on your phone. There's all kinds of great gadgets on it. One of the things I really fell in love with in a trailer is it had a little round disc behind the kitchen sink, and it had a little, like, handle on it you could pull. When you pull that straight up, it was like six plugs. So it was a little telescoping extra set of plugs, and I thought boy, that would be so useful. You like just have the crock pot going, the coffee pot going, and charging station, all kinds of things that that could be useful for. So when you buy new, you get all those bells and whistles. You know, you could get granite countertops in, in, a RV, in an RV. That's, that's crazy. It's crazy fun. So the other thing about the new trailers is they come with a warranty. There are several dealerships who do a two-year warranty, but this industry standard is one year. So I think um, Airstream has a two-year and Lance has a two-year. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I know Airstreams is two, but there's other manufacturers that also offer the two-year warranty. So by industry standard, you get a full one-year warranty then. That's, you know, anything that goes wrong in that first year, you just bring it in. And, and little things do go wrong. My friend Mary has had hers in for little things. Hers was blowing a fuse and, it, you know, they fixed it for her and didn't cost her anything. So the other thing about buying new is you're not buying someone else's wear and tear. So even if you buy a trailer that's three years old, it could begin to be showing signs of wear. It depends on how the people used it. Maybe it was a little old lady who only used it on, you know, to drive to church on Sundays, but usually there's going to be wear and tear in a used trailer. So when you have something brand new, if you're the kind of person who gets the willies over somebody's dog having sat on your bench, you're not going to have to deal with any of that. Everything is brand new. You don't have someone else's wear and tear. Now, what are the cons of buying a new trailer? Well, one of the cons is you can you can find the trailer of your dreams online, and it doesn't mean there's a dealership near you that has it. You may have to go several states away to buy it, most people would be happy to do that. They could bring it home, but then it be, might become an issue if you want to have it serviced. You don't have that dealership right in your backyard. So then if you had to have it serviced, then you'd have to go through the manufacturer to find out how you're going to be reimbursed if it was still under warranty. So there's that issue. So the other thing that I think is a con is all those bells and whistles that are so lovely add to the cost. You know, you're paying more for those. The trailer is just going to be more expensive. You're going to pay more to have it right off the lot and be the first one to own it. Just like when you buy a car brand new, you have it for two years and you sell that car, the hugest part of the depreciation happens right up front. So that is a con. Unless you're going to have that thing for a very long time, then you are going to be paying the depreciation on someone else's trailer down the road. All right, let's talk about the used pros and cons. So a pro in the used thing. 
in the used column. If you buy a used trailer, one of the pros is that you're going to save a lot of money, just what we were talking about. That depreciation happens up front. So if you buy that trailer and it's two years old and someone put 20,000 miles on it in the two years they owned it, you're going to pay a lot less for it. And it's not going to have the wear and tear that a 10-year-old trailer is going to have. I always buy cars two years old. I never buy them brand new off the lot. So I always like this system. One of the other pros is that you can purchase one that's no longer in production. There is a whole website of people looking for Tada trailers. They used to be made by Go Little Guy. Well, they used to be made uh, by a different company. And when Go Little Guy bought that company, they stopped producing the Tada. But it's a really great trailer, and a lot of people like them. So if you're buying used, you can buy a trailer that's no longer in production. Maybe there's a favorite of yours, and it's not being made, and you can look online and get it. Another one of the pros is there's lots of outlets to purchase a used trailer. So RV Trader is a really great website. You can go to RV Trader. They list things. They're, they're, that site is very, very user friendly. And you can look, you can search by the trailer that you're looking for. You can search by size. You can search by state. So RV Trader would be one. Most dealerships carry used trailers, so a lot of times people will trade one in, and now they've gone over it and they've made any repairs, and you're buying something that's in really good shape, as opposed to buying it from an ad on Craigslist or your local newspaper. Those people have not possibly had it serviced. So if you're buying it used from a dealership, they've gone over it. Their reputation is at stake. They want to make sure that trailer's in good shape when you drive off the lot with it. If you buy it from Craigslist or something, you may be buying it from people who just took their sweaters and food out of it and didn't even vacuum it. But, you know, you're still going to save money when you do that. So what would be the cons of buying a used trailer? Well, I think one of the cons is you don't know why the people traded it in. So maybe it was just too small. Maybe they weren't using it a lot. Or maybe there was an aspect of it that was giving them a lot of trouble and they tried desperately to get it fixed and they never could get around it. There's the possibility that you could just be buying a problem trailer, you know? So that's something like buyer beware. You have to ask a lot of questions. And that's why I think it would be better to buy it from a dealership. I called my car, Lynn, from Hay to See Airstream friend of the show. And Mike said, whenever they sell a used trailer, they give a 90 day warranty. So if you get home and the trailer is have a problem, they're going to fix it for you. They're going to make good on it. One of the other cons is it's, it's along the same lines. You don't know how well the previous owner maintained it. You don't know if he was getting the bearings greased, if he was flushing out the tanks properly, if he properly winterized it. Another reason I think if you do buy used, buy from a dealership. Okay, the third thing in the con column for me would be, and this would all depend on the age of the trailer. If you're buying something that's two or three years old compared to buying something that's 10 years old, it's sort of like buying that 20-year-old house. If you're buying a house that's 20 years old, you are buying a house in which you're reaching it, the house itself is reaching the age in which all the major systems may need upgrading. So 
everybody in my neighborhood is getting a new roof right now because the houses are like 20 years old. There was two new roofs that went on in my neighborhood this week and there were like five in the fall that went on and I know that's coming up for me and I can't stand the thought of it. So you have to think about the age of the trailer. Is it getting to that point? I mean, you're going to pay less for it, but sometimes you want to pay more and just not have that hassle. So you have to think about if it's aging out of its usefulness and what kind of repairs it might need if you're buying something that is too old. So there's my list of pros and cons on new and used trailers. This has been a great conversation and I hope that it really helps people who are at that stage where they want to make a purchase, but they have some new things to think about when they're making their decisions. Happy trails, everyone. I'm going to be back in a minute and say goodbye. I want to thank everyone who wrote into the show this week and thank you for allowing me to read your letters online. I want the other listeners to know that I never read anybody's mail without asking them if I can do so. So thank you for allowing me to share because I always think our questions and comments pertain to other people. So thank you, Carrie and Anne and everybody else and Carol from Florida with your camper question. Keep those cards and letters coming. I want to thank my producer, Stephanie Puglisi, who is the host, along with her husband, Jeremy, of the RV Family Travel Atlas podcast. They can be heard every Friday morning, and I really want you to tune into their show this week because they did part one of the gear guide, all the new cool things that are happening in the industry, what you might want to have and what you need and what you probably don't need, but is really fun to have on this week's episode of RV Family Travel Atlas. Also, Stephanie and Jeremy have another show, which comes out on Wednesdays. It's the Campground of the Week. Each week, a different correspondent from five regions in the country talks about a campground in their area. And not just the campground review, but also tells you what's going on in that area. And you can hear that show every Wednesday morning. So thank you, Stephanie and Jeremy. Thank you, listeners. I'll be back here next week. 